No one's gonna tell me how I'm gonna boogie. Come on, everybody, boogie bumper tonight. No one's gonna tell me how I'm gonna boogie. Come on, everybody, boogie bumper tonight. No one's gonna tell me how to boogie. Come on, everybody, boogie bumper tonight. Let's go. of the Daily Boogie Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. As always, tonight's recommended drink is cheap box wine. Tonight's recommended snack, bland brand no-name crackers. This is the official wine and crackers broadcast right here on D-Line. Thank you so much for joining us, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Boys and girls, it's an absolute pleasure Thank you for uh, sharing the show out if you did. If you didn't, that's okay too. I completely understand. I wouldn't if I were you. But it's good to be back, man. A few days off. I, I wasn't here on Monday, obviously. Apologies. Stuff's just getting stuff's just getting a little too much right now. So, uh, I, I, like I said on Twitter the other day, in a couple of weeks, I am taking a week off. I probably shouldn't open the show by telling you how I'm not going to be here, but I, that's, that's how I roll. That's how I do things. Because we're a professional operation. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. Yeah, we're back. Uh, Wednesday night. I hope you had a lovely night because I certainly did. Um, so much to get through as always. So little time. And we're going we're gonna to cover a broad spectrum of topics tonight. Uh, obviously, Judge Amy is going to be discussed now, Judge Amy, um, we were talking about Judge Amy back before Brett Kavanaugh because I was one of the people that was like, oh, yeah, I like this one. I like this one. Put her in there. She makes, um, you know, the, the accusations, right, that Donald Trump, for example, is like a far right, an ultra far right guy, which is completely ridiculous. He's like a New York liberal and always has been. But the accusations that people say, oh, Donald Trump's like this far right you know, conservative. It's like Amy Barrett makes Donald Trump look like Chairman Mao. That's how far to the right she is. So I was like, oh yes, I want this chick in there. Get her in. So, so we're gonna we're gonna go over. <coughs> pardon me. Oh, pardon me. I'm a bit rusty. So we're gonna go over a, a little bit. We're gonna be judging uh, Judge Amy tonight because you can guarantee it. The corporate press and everyone around it are doing their absolute best right now to dig up whatever they can on Judge Amy, right? They'll be going through the archives. They'll be going through the files. They'll be looking for anything they can get their hands on to smear this woman. And I'm going to be sitting back with my feet on the desk eating popcorn. I can't wait. I absolutely can't wait. Because you know, you know, if they're going to go back to some guy's fucking high school yearbook as they did with the previous judge. It's not going to stop here. But the deliciousness of the situation, the fact that she's a woman, right, um, it's going to make it all the more tantalising. So I absolutely can't wait. Yes, it's exactly, Jim Edward. The woman with the two adopted black kids, yes, we are going to get to that. <laughs> so we got that on the, uh, on the horizon. Also got some stuff. I want to dip over to the UK if I can. Holy shit. 
Oh, no, it looks like my alerts aren't working again. Come on, DLive, man. Come on, bro. Look, I, I can't even see. Okay, winning TV, thank you for the diamond. Winning TV, ladies and gentlemen. Got the second wave of Koof Boogie. No, I've got the third wave because I'm ahead of the curve, brother. I like to stay in front. So also, speaking of the Koof, I've also got some fantastic coronavirus news from the motherland, the fatherland, whatever you want to call it. Let's call it the gender-neutral caregiver land, the UK, because <laughs> they've gone absolutely fucking batshit crazy, just like we have down here. So we will be covering that, plus whatever whatever other stuff we can get to tonight. I do want to look at, uh, take a little quick look at Louisville while we're at it too, because that wasn't fucking predictable. <laughs> that reaction wasn't predictable. Um, I saw a report earlier today. I tweeted about it. Uh, it was from CNN, and it, quote, ahead of an expected news conference on the Breonna Taylor case, Louisville's mayor announces a curfew beginning at 9pm tonight. And I'm thinking, oh, well, obviously it's going to be good news. <laughs> look, look, I don't want to preempt anything that the court is going to decide in relation to the Breonna Taylor case. I just want to make sure that, you know, we're not, you know, preempting the court. We're not judging their moves before we hear any official verdict. But what I will say is anybody who's out past 9 p.m. tonight will be rested on site. <laughs> but I don't want to preempt any ruling that the court might hand down in relation to the Breonna Taylor case. <laughs> these things these things are totally disconnected. One doesn't have anything to do with the other. It's just a complete coincidence. No, we're calling the curfew just because, uh, you know, my wife is going to be working late and I don't want her getting stuck in traffic. It's got nothing to do with any kind of, uh, you know, court ruling or any kind of charges being laid or anything like that. It's got nothing to do with rights. We don't expect any rights. But in saying that, we want everybody to be home by 9 p.m. or they will be thrown in jail. <laughs> it's got nothing to do with it. So, yeah, that wasn't predictable at all. But let's open up the show, shall we? Let's get to it. I wanted to talk about Judge Amy. First of all, special mention to this guy. This is Canadian news, by the way. Yes, we're going to Canadian. It's an Australian watching Canadian news talking about the the Supreme Court of the United States. So we're, we're, going, we're going full global here. And I like to do that just for the people who are like, what? Why are people in other countries talking about the Supreme Court? Well, now I'm double dipping. I'm doubling down. Now it's a foreigner talking about what's happening in the United States by referencing Canadian media. <laughs> How do you like them apples, huh? How do you fucking like that? So, I mean, if you don't want people talking about you, don't be a superpower. Don't be the most important country on earth and then nobody will give a fuck what you do. It's up to you, America. So let's have a look. Mr. Bowtie, the fantastic bowtie. Uh, I don't know who this guy is. He looks like a libertarian. Whenever I see a, a bowtie like this, I just assume libertarianism. It oozes out of him. But then the bald head says to me, fash. So we'll see. Let's see what's going on with the next pick for the Supreme Court of the United States. Well, Donald Trump says he will nominate a woman next week oh. to succeed trailblazing liberal U.S. Supreme Court judge. <laughs> he's, not, he's not selecting a woman to replace a woman. No, no. He's selecting a woman to replace the trailblazing liberal. <laughs> it started already. We're one sentence in. One sentence. 
This isn't a like-for-like trade. You know, Donald Trump isn't just replacing a woman with a woman. He's putting, he's shoveling, he's crowbarring a woman into the role that was held by a trailblazing liberal that everybody loves. It's not even close to being the same thing. Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Ruth Bader will Ginsburg. Will be a woman. Be a, a very woman. talented, very brilliant woman. Very attractive woman. You know, it's definitely not going to be like some kind of fat, ugly woman. I tell you that much right now. I think we've had enough fat women in the public eye. I mean, look at that Rosie O'Donnell, huh? We haven't chosen yet, but we have numerous women on the list. Numerous women. Justice Ginsburg died. I got all the women. Friday night after a long battle with cancer. Yeah. Her death gives President Donald Trump a chance to expand the... Just on the death of, like, so it's been a few days now. Just on the death of Ruthie. Who remembers the media reporting over the last, I don't know, six months, a year? Like, you would be forgiven for, for, for being surprised at Ruth Bader Ginsburg's death. I mean, depending on, you know, what you watch and what you read and, you know, if you think about politics or not, if you were just a casual observer in the media, you would be entirely surprised. Oh, Premier, Premier 17 has joined us. Thank you for joining us, sir. Friend on Rust, a friendo on Rusto. Been playing Rust a lot over the last week. It's been fantastic. Getting my ass handed to me by uh, 12 year old kids is always fun. <laughs> you stuck, old man. Fuck you, pussy. <laughs> Fucking up. I've fallen asleep and woken up in South Park. What the hell is happening here? But it's great fun. Shout out to Premier. Um, so, depending on what media you watch and what you listen to, what you read, whatever, you would be entirely forgiven for being surprised that Ruth Bader Ginsburg is dead. The reason I say this is because what have you heard for the last year? It's like, no, no, she's fine. She's fine. There's a lot of misinformation there out there about Ruth Bader Ginsburg saying that she's sick. Sure, she's been in and out of hospital constantly for the last two years, but she's totally capable of doing the job, right? How many times have you heard that? She's fine. Don't worry about it. Stop panicking. Stop saying that she's on death's door. Stop saying that she's sick. She's fighting. Sure, she might have had to go to hospital once or twice, but she's totally capable of fulfilling her role on the Supreme Court. She literally died with the gavel in her hand. <laughs> yeah, she's fine. She can still do the job. Not a problem. Exactly. Froggy in the chat. That's not rotting flesh. That's just grandma smell. <laughs> So I imagine a few people, there must be a few people who woke up that day and went, what? She was sick? I didn't like, you know, just steal the steal the gag from Royce Lopez. I didn't even know she was sick because that's what they've been telling you for the last two years. She's fine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> she, she's, she's never been better. Right, Ruthie? Kill me now. <laughs> she, she's fine. She's full of life. She never felt better. <laughs> anyway, let's carry on here. The U.S. Supreme Court's conservative majority mm -hmm. to six to three, oh. and that could have a profound impact on some of. It won't be six to three because that Roberts guy isn't a conservative. So let's let's put that to one side. The most important issues in U.S. law. CBC's Ellen Morrow is tracking all of this for us, and she tracking. joins us now from our Washington bureau. So, Ellen, let's talk a bit. Well done, Canada. Attractive news readers. Well done. Good for you more about what we know about and who Donald Trump might nominate. 
Well, we don't know too much for certain, John, other than, as you said, it will be a woman, the nominee, according to the president, and the nominee will be announced at some point. He's such a misogynist. Why is he singling out women for this job, huh? I know. I don't I know why he's I know why he's choosing a woman for the role. It's because he wants to surround himself with women because he hates women. <laughs> Donald Trump hates women so much that he wants to put one on the Supreme Court so he can sexually harass her. Donald Trump's gonna be walking into those Supreme Court meetings and he's gonna be slapping her on the ass and grabbing her titty because he hates women. He's an abuser of women. So, of course, he wants to get a woman on the Supreme Court. It's all about Donald Trump's penis. Of this, I'm certain. Point ...later this week, but two names have come to the fore. One of them is Amy Coney Barrett. Yeah. The other is Barbara Lagoa. Coney Barrett was a frontrunner, thinking back to 2018, when Brett Kavanaugh was eventually chosen to the Supreme Court at that time, and there was that uh, very... She reminds me of some actress, Amy Coney Barrett. I mean, look at, she reminds, God, is it Laura Linney she kind of looks like? I mean, the upsides for Coney Barrett are fantastic as far as I'm concerned. I'm, I'm not even like a deeply fundamentalist um, Catholic kind of guy. I'm not even a Catholic. Um, but I do like the idea of somebody like that being on the Supreme Court. Well, yeah, you can argue for balance and all of that kind of thing. I just want to shit the place up. <laughs> I just want to throw a hand grenade into the window, you know what I mean? I want somebody on the Supreme Court who is going to represent a large section of the United States population. I think that's fair, don't you? And somebody who is unapologetic in their views, as this woman appears to be. You know, she's privileged. While I was, when I was, you know, researching for this and just looking up, I wouldn't call it research, while I was scouring. Um, looking for various stuff. She's given a number of addresses and shit. She, one of the things that she talks about a lot is have the courage of your convictions. You know, not everybody is going to like you. Not everybody is going to agree with you, but just be fucking strong enough to, to be, be strong enough to stand for what you believe, right? Don't just fold over when somebody gives you, gives you shit. And, you know, she's about to, we're about to see how far that goes that's that's about to be tested because trust me they are going to try and pour mountains of shit on this woman so let's have a look fractious confirmation process over the kavanaugh nomination uh Coney She's Barrett also, i mean mother of seven like that's old school catholic isn't it that is old school catholicism people don't have seven kids anymore unless they're in the third world but not generally in the western world and she's also attractive in that, you know, in that Irish way. <laughs> Which has its own set of qualifiers. But, you know, moderately attractive in that Irish way. Young, what is she, 40-something? Yep, that'll do. Is a social conservative. She has expressed anti-abortion views, which will, of course, appeal to conservative voters who Donald Trump will be relying on in this election. Lagoa is also popular with conservatives. She's an appeals court judge currently, and she's also from Miami, Florida. Florida, oh, Miami. of course, uh, is a key battleground state in this election. Now, President Trump spoke highly of both of these two judges 
is talking to reporters last night, and we know that he wants to move ahead with this confirmation process mm -hmm. quickly after he announces his nominee. Yeah. If not uh, holding a vote before the election itself in 44 days, then definitely before January when a new Senate would be sworn in. I say with this, with the pushing through the nomination, there's a couple of ways that you can look at it. I, I, I don't know if it would be a good idea politically, but in saying that, you know, you have to take into consideration, right? What if he doesn't win? Like, I know, I think I think most people expect Donald Trump will be the president, right? But then the, the Senate is up for grabs. People who tell you the Senate is a lock are being very naive and they're ignoring a lot of um, battleground sort of knife-edge Senate races. The Senate is definitely up for grabs, believe it or not, because the, the Democrats only have to win three Senate seats and then they're back in power in the Senate. I've just got to refresh my page again because I don't have my diamond pop-ups. Come on, D-Live. Come on, help a brother out here. Uh, Joy of Pessy, thank you for joining us. Joy of Pessy, ladies and gentlemen. The afterlife is glorious, glorious, lots of nice titties. Yeah, but you got to work hard for them in heaven, man. I mean, it's heaven. All the sinners are downstairs. In heaven, you just have the prudes. <laughs> Thank you for joining us, Joy of Pessy. DLive.tv slash Joy of Pessy. Justice for Pessy, who recently had his Twitter account locked. A great injustice. Hopefully somebody is monitoring the situation for you, Pessy. So, you know, if you push through the next SCOTUS... You definitely run the risk, I think, of like mobilizing a whole bunch of Democrats who are just going to run with the campaigns, you know, like, oh, Roe v. Wade is going to be up for grabs again. Oh, no, we can't allow this. Everybody needs to get to the ballot box to flip the Senate, right? So we can prevent this awful, disgusting fascist right winger from becoming the next uh, Supreme Court justice. Not that they wouldn't do it anyway, which leads me to my second train of thought in that, you know, Right now, all the Democrats are saying, oh, this is awful, you can't do this. But if it was in their, if they were in the same position, they would have, of course they would be doing it. Of course they would be doing everything they can to drive, to smash through, you know, the next Supreme Court justice. So part of me is like, well, you may as well do it because, of course, the other side is going to do it. Like, But then, of course, then you're like, well, you don't want to become the other side. See, there's plenty of ways to think about it. The other one is... What if Donald Trump doesn't win the election? Because I know a lot of people, most people think that he will, which is fair enough. I tend to agree with that. But what if he doesn't? Now, if you don't drive, if you don't smash through the next Supreme Court justice and you lose the election, you're, you're kind of, you're an idiot, right? If you do smash through the Supreme Court justice and you win the election, then everyone's going to be saying, well, you could have just waited until after the election because now it's not legitimate. All that kind of shit, right? So you you're kind of stuck. You don't want to you don't want to leave the chance open because if you lose the election and you haven't, you know, pushed through your next Supreme Court pick, then the game's over. Then the other side will do it and you lose. Big you lose bigly. So I don't know what the right move is. I think there's probably pros and cons to doing it or not doing it. Um ultimately though, We'll see what happens. I, 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 don't, I don't know what is the best move. I would be apprehensive 
But then, of course, that's assuming that Donald Trump is absolutely going to win the next election. If you think that there's a chance that he might not win, then maybe pushing through the next Supreme Court pick right now as quickly as possible might be the right thing to do. I don't know. It's up to you. A Senate that could be controlled by the Democrats, depending on how yep. the election goes, which would, of course, mean uh, that his nominee wouldn't get through. And it is important to sort of take a step back and consider the overall pace of the last, you know, 36 hours. Ruth Bader Ginsburg's death was announced only about 36 hours ago. Uh, and here we are talking about these two possible contenders. Oh, oh come on now. <laughs> It's too soon. <laughs> Give me a fucking break. <laughs> you know, we have to consider the timeline here. You know, maybe there should be a period of mourning for Ruth Bader Ginsburg. <laughs> like there was with Antonin Scalia. Oh, wait, what? <laughs> Come on now. No, this is, this is all, this is too fast. We're moving too fast here. We're moving too quickly on this. I just think we need a little time to reflect. We need a little time to mourn and sit back and reflect. Maybe about 50 days or thereabouts. <laughs> and then after, you know, sometime in mid-November, then I think we'll all be better prepared to talk about the next Supreme Court justice. But not now. Definitely not now. Yes, but her dying wish. We'll get to that. Don't worry. Ready. And last night when Trump was at that campaign rally in North Carolina and Sorry, talking e. about replacing Ginsburg, the crowd chanted, fill that seat, fill that seat. That shows you just how much the fight over the seat is going to be a motivating factor in this election, John. There are yep. so many factors swirling all around this. But again, an absolutely smashing bow tie. So at this point, hard to say, I know, Ellen, I know. but how might all this play out? Well, the one Out. thing we can say for sure, it's going to be a very fraught process. Democ <sighs> Thank you. Thank you for the news flash. Thank you for the insight. Thank you for the tip. You know, one thing we can say for sure is it's going to be uh, fraught with clashes. No shit. They accused the last candidate of being a gang rapist. <laughs> oh, no. I think that's not a hot take. A hot take would be, uh, you know, I think everything is going to be going absolutely smoothly. <laughs> I don't think there's going to be any problems whatsoever. You know, I think what we can agree on is that everybody's going to disagree. Thank you. How much are we paying this person again to give us this analysis? How much are we how much are we paying them? <laughs> really, really six figures. Six figures to say that people are going to be arguing about this. Wow. Holy shit. This is why you get paid the big bucks. The last one was contentious. Jim Enward in the chat. Democrats are absolutely incensed at the uh -huh. possibility of this being pushed through very uh -huh. quickly. Republicans, of course, thinking back to 2016, blocked Barack Obama from appointing we, a Supreme Court justice that year, saying it was. And I don't, I don't even blame Republicans, right, for having the attitude like. Because if you're getting told, well, you can't because Merrick Garland was stopped and it's bullshit and no, 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 no. I don't even blame Donald Trump supporters or Republicans for having this following attitude. So what? <laughs> Seriously. After, after 40 years of being crapped on, after decades of hypocrisy, after decades of being treated like a mushroom, living in the dark and being fed shit, after being, you know, told one story one minute and then another story the next minute. For example, uh, mass take mass immigration and multiculturalism, for example. 
You need mass immigration. You need multiculturalism. It's beautiful. It's amazing. All of this coming together, you know, where everybody's going to be equal. It's going to be wonderful. We're all going to learn from each other culturally. Great. Sounds great. Open the floodgates. Let the people in. Great. And then once the people are in, they're like, you disgusting white people. What are you doing? You're so fucking racist. It's like, <laughs> this wasn't part of the deal. I wasn't supposed to be getting lectured about this. That's just one example. You can pick dozens of similar examples. So after decades of that, being told one story and then actually getting another, being promised, uh, you know, un untold riches and just ending up with a bucket of shit, I would not blame any Republican whatsoever when they get accused of being a hypocrite and stuff and what about Merrick Garland just saying, go shit in your hat. Sorry, don't give a fuck. That's all you need. I don't care. So what? So what? I don't blame them. I don't blame them. They don't even have to answer for it at this point. It was too close to the 2016 election. And now here we are just 44 days from the 2020 uh, election day. But Republicans do have the power 44. here being in control of the Senate right now. Republican leaders do want to get this done quickly. Uh, but to do that, they're going to need the support of 50 senators. There are 53 Republican senators. Uh, and Mike Pence. So <clears throat> let's have a look at this. I didn't know this. Apparently... Judge Amy is from South Bend, Indiana. South Bend made famous by Pete Buttigieg, ladies and gentlemen. She's <laughs> She lives where Pete Buttigieg comes from. So let's have a look. Uh, the Indianians. Is that how you say it? The Indianians? The Indians? <laughs> the Indians. The, the Indians are very happy that Judge Amy is being considered. Uh, this is from local news in Indiana. In fact, the Associated Press says Amy Coney Barrett met with the president at the White House today. Now, if you've not White heard House. her name before, don't worry. Well, in tonight's big story, we're digging into her history. Not only is a Hoosier, but... God, oh, I hope she went to a few keggers when she was 17, don't you? ...as a federal judge. Any, any kind of appointment now, any kind of appointment to public office, I'm going to be so disappointed if we're not talking about how much people drank, whether they felt up a girl at a party or not. Because I think the Judge Kavanaugh experience has ruined me. The drama, the outrage, the accusations of gang rape. If, if we don't at least get to that level, hopefully exceed it from now on, I'm going to be like, well, this is... They say the sequel's never as good as the first movie, is it? You know what I mean? Like, somebody better accuse her of being a gang rapist. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm going to be really pissed. I mean, she's had seven children. How do you have how do you be a parent to seven children without being a rapist? Um that'll do. I'll take that. Doesn't have to be intelligent. It doesn't have to make sense. I just want the accusations out there. We'll look at her major rulings and share the stories of people who've worked and learned by her. Okay, side. let's have a look. Federal Appellate Court Judge Amy Coney Barrett. Administration officials say the front runner is Judge Amy Coney Barrett. And at the top of the list, we're told, is Judge Amy Coney Barrett. By now, you've heard her name and seen her picture. But who exactly is Judge Amy Coney Barrett? I've known Amy ever since she was a... Please say footballing gang rapist. Please say footballing gang rapist. Please say footballing gang rapist. Does she like beer? Of course she does. She's fucking Irish. Student. Paolo Carazzo is a law professor at Notre Dame. She's kind, uh, unfailingly oh. so. Um, oh. Unfailingly kind? This isn't going how I expected at all. 
This is very disappointing. What do you what do you mean she's kind? Oh, do you mean like only kind to like white people or something? Or <laughs> like surely she's a racist or something, right? <laughs> I've got to reload. I've got to reload because I'm not getting the things. I'd, I'd I'd love to be able to go, jump straight to the diamond. So apologies, apologies in the delay. Lady of Diamonds, Gypsy with the diamond. Thank you for the diamond, Gypsy. Where did you steal the diamond, Gypsy? So no bottle yet. No, maybe she's only kind to white people. Hopefully, anyway. Coney Barrett. I've known Amy ever since she was a student. Paolo Carazzo is a law Paolo professor Carazzo. at Notre Dame. She's kind. Uh, unfailingly so, oh. um, listens carefully to people, takes everything seriously, oh. thinks hard. From oh. a former student. Um, there were um, students that, you know, had... Now, hopefully, surely, the former student of this judge is going to accuse them of sexually harassing her, right? Right? We've got... We've got a former student on the line who says Amy Coney Barrett sexually molested her while in gym class. Let ho hopefully something like that. Very different <clears throat> points of view when it came to constitutional law. Okay. And she went out of her way to be accommodating of them and to um, facilitate open conversation. Oh. So she's extremely kind, generous listens to everybody, listens to all viewpoints, goes out of her way to accommodate people who disagree with her. Oh, dear. This isn't working out at all. <laughs> Gee, we're going to have to work very hard, I think, to get some kind of dirt on this one. In 2018, Judge Barrett was honoured as a Distinguished Teacher of the Year. Oh. She spoke to graduates about the power of their words. What you say reflects who you are and what you believe. And not everyone will love who you are or what you believe, but have the courage of your convictions. Republicans have praised her as an ideological heir to the late Justice Scalia. Liberals have- Justice Scalia, who was absolutely not murdered and died completely of natural causes. <laughs> he was absolutely not murdered. He was absolutely definitely not murdered just before the 2016 election, about a year before, while people were talking about how important the Supreme Court is, that absolutely did not happen. He just died naturally, of course. Have argued her legal views are too influenced by her cat. frozen Asian in the chat. I've got it, Boogie. She littered once in 2016. Lock her up. Lock her up. <laughs> Ben's owner in the chat. Obviously, she's a slut, according to the left. <laughs> Anybody who has seven children is a slut. If she had seven children to seven different fathers, then that would be acceptable because that means that she's struggling and that means that she's sexually liberated. Because she had seven children, uh, five of which with one man and two adopted kids, that means that she's actually a slave to the patriarchy. <laughs> Please, come on. We can do this, guys. We can do this. I mean, any woman who has five children to, you know, one man is clearly, like, in the grips of a dominating male relationship. <laughs> Lady of Diamonds Gypsy in the chat, she's attractive. Yeah, that's what I said at the start. She's attractive in an Irish way. Catholic beliefs. How do you respond to that? Exactly. Ambelina is now we're getting somewhere. Ambelina, seven abortions would be acceptable. <laughs> I think it's uh, completely unfounded to say. 
Sure, she's got seven kids, but how many abortions has she had, huh? Zero. She doesn't even care about <laughs> That her religious beliefs would shape her decisions ah. in any way that's inappropriate. Friends say even though she's now a federal court judge in Chicago, she commutes from South Bend the place she, her husband, and their seven children call home. Okay, she's clearly mentally ill because she chooses to live in South Bend when she doesn't have to. Although she is a judge in Chicago. <laughs> so maybe she's doing the right thing. <laughs> okay, we can't get her on that either. Because I was going to say, anybody with the ability to move out of South Bend who chooses not to probably has some kind of issue. But then come to think of it, what are her options? South Bend or Chicago? Nah, I think I'll stay in Indiana. Thanks. Thanks anyway, bro. So I think that tells a lot about what she is too. She's she's not a person who is driven by uh, ambitions to do, do whatever okay. it takes to sacrifice whatever it takes of her family and her life in order to achieve things. Um, she lives a, a balanced life that is full of human relationships and, uh, and not just work. And here's some more background on Amy. So there you have it. Uh, we weren't able to dig up any dirt on her there, unfortunately. How about this? Because we're trying here. We've got to find some reason to make her uh, unselectable. Just like Brett Kavanaugh, the beer-loving gang rapist, apparently, allegedly. According to people who never lie, the Democrats. Amy Coney Barrett testifies during her seventh confirmation hearing her seventh circuit confirmation hearing all right so let's hear a little bit of amy barrett from her own mouth with this nomination i don't have an opening statement but i would like to introduce my special guests um, first and foremost behind me is my husband jesse uh, jesse serves our country as an assistant united states attorney in the northern district of indiana and i hit the jackpot when i married jesse we've been married for 18 years with each year better than the last Ooh! Oh! Um, Jesse and I have seven children, as Senator Young mentioned. Um, we have our oldest three daughters with us today. Um, Emma is 16, uh, the first apple of our eye, which I'm having trouble finding at the moment. Uh, she doesn't even know where her kids are. She's a terrible mother. Did you hear that? She can't find her 16-year-old daughter. Ms. Barrett, are you aware that being part of the Supreme Court is an important role where you are essentially responsible to everybody in the United States. I mean, everybody in the United States is essentially like your child. Now, I remember a confirmation hearing that you had on May 18, 2019 for the Seventh Circuit where you said, and I quote, I'm having trouble finding my daughter. Now, is that the kind of parenting, is that the kind of role model that you think the American people want on the Supreme Court, honey? <laughs> okay, that'll work. We can do this. Vivian, directly next to Emma, is 13. Um, Vivian is our miracle. Vivian joined our family. She was born in Haiti, and she came home when she was 14 months old. She's Look, she's obviously a racist, right? <laughs> okay, we can't get her on uh, the Catholic thing because everybody says that's not important. We can't get her for being mean to people. We can't get her. The students apparently love her. Uh, you know, her former teachers say that she's wonderful and she listens to everybody and she's very open and very nice and unfailingly kind was the quote. So hopefully she hates black people. Vivian, directly next to Emma, is 13. Um, Vivian is our miracle. Vivian joined our family. She was born in Haiti and she came home when she was 14 months old. Um, she weighed 11 pounds 
and she was so weak we were told that she might never walk normally or speak. Today Vivian is a track star and I assure you she has no trouble talking. <laughs> Adopted Haitian daughter. Track star. Well, isn't that kind of stereotypical? I mean, it seems like you're pushing the black girl into running. Like, what, do you think black people are just fast runners or something? Or? It's very racist. Um, Tess, sitting next to Vivian, is also 13 years old, both in eighth grade, and she's one of the most compassionate and determined uh, people that I know. Um, our four, ch four children at home um, are with friends and fearless babysitters. John Peter is 10, and like Vivian, John Peter was born in Haiti. He joined our family in uh, 2010. She's got two Haitian kids. What, why don't, Amy, why don't you leave some for other people? <laughs> why don't you leave some for other well-to-do, do-gooding white people in the West, huh? You can't have all the Haitian children, Amy. Amy. She's such a hog. When he was three years old after the devastating earthquake in Haiti. Um, Leave some for us. Liam is eight, a typically curious eight-year-old, and Juliet is our spunky six-year-old. I mean, she still is a woman though, right? I mean, she spent like the first couple of minutes talking about, like she's one step away from breaking out the photo album, isn't she? And look, this is when we were on holiday in Florida. <laughs> Like, yeah, this is great. <laughs> Women especially do have this fucking need, this born, this inborn need to tell everybody about their children constantly. <laughs> she still is a She still has the ability to do woman things, apparently, by the looks of it. So before I talk about my, um, you know, my, my ability to do this job, I just want to tell you about my wonderful children. There's seven of us. Seven? God, we're going to be here all fucking day. Benjamin, our youngest, is five, and Benjamin has special needs, and that presents unique challenges for all of us. But I think all you need to know about Benjamin's place in the family is summed up by the fact that the other children unreservedly identify him as their favorite sibling. Um okay. The students love her. They say that she's great and she listens to everybody. She goes out of her way to accommodate students who disagree with her. Her former professor loves her, says that she's unfailingly kind and incredibly intelligent. The people of South Bend love her because she lives there, even though she works in Chicago. She has seven children, two adopted Haitian kids and a special needs child. <laughs> Come on now. We need to find something on her. We need to find something. Gang rape? Okay, unfortunately, gang rape, it looks but like gang rape is out of the question. But maybe we can find something here. I've done my best. CBS News, ladies and gentlemen, let's have a look. Judge Amy Coney Barrett visited the White House for the second time this week. And I want to play a clip from an interview that uh, I, I did with her back in 2016, along with Anne-Marie Green. This was in the wake of Justice Antonin Scalia's death. Let's take a listen. This newsreader talks without opening her mouth. I think she's a ventriloquist. Have a look at this. We mentioned Judge Amy Coney Barrett visited mm -hmm. the White House for the we mentioned Judge Amy Comey Barrett visited the White House for the second time to meet with the president. <laughs> Isn't that right, Chip? Yeah, that's right. Second time this week. And I want to play a clip from an interview. I don't know about you, but I've got a little wood over here. Ha ha ha. 
that uh, I, uh, I did. <laughs> Somebody donated a diamond. Again, I have to refresh the feed every time. Apologies. Lady of Diamonds Gypsy with a diamond. Where did you steal the diamond gypsy? She won't let us murder babies. Well, no, but that's. Yeah, I, get, yeah. I, I think we can do better than that. Like I said, once we've been accusing, you know, Supreme Court justices of gang rape, surely we can do better than baby murder. Nobody cares about baby murder anymore. With her back in 2016, along with Anne Marie Green. Okay. This was in the wake of Justice Antonin Scalia's death. In the wake death, of Justin, Antonin Scalia's death. Kennedy is a moderate Republican, and he replaced a moderate Republican. So this is this is Amy Barrett in 2016, all right? Republican Powell. Um, we're talking about Justice Scalia, you know, the staunchest conservative on the court, and we're talking about him being replaced by someone who could dramatically flip the uh, balance of power on the court. It's not a lateral move. Oh dear. Oh dear. I think we have something. I think we've finally got something on her. Winning TV with a diamond. My body, my choice, except a vaccine or COVID test. Uh, yeah, I was about to do mandatory vaccination tonight, but then I decided to go with this instead. So we might do that on Friday. Um, you know, and, and finally, we the reality is we live in a different time. Confirmation hearings have gotten far more contentious. And so I just don't think we live in the same kind of time. So I think in some... The president has the power to nominate and the Senate has the power to act or not. And I don't think either one of them can claim that there's a rule governing one way or the other. Oh, <laughs> oh no. This was supposed to be a hit piece. Weird flex, bro. <laughs> Imagine being like the intern reporter. At CBS. It's like, I've got it. I've got it. I've got it. I found something from 2016 when she was talking about the nomination process. Great. Put it to air. Should we review the clip first? No, just put it straight to air. <laughs> Here's Judge Amy Barrett talking about the nomination process back in 2016. Well, I think that there's, uh, you know, the president and the Senate have the right to choose somebody whenever they do. And nobody, no, neither side has a right to claim that there's any kind of rule governing that. Oh. Um. Wait, isn't there? <laughs> isn't our opinion supposed to be that what you're not allowed to do it during an election year or something? Isn't that what we're supposed to be doing? Charmoney with the diamond, ladies and gentlemen. Follow Charmoney, dlive.tv slash Charmoney. Flex on me, bro. Oh, we're flexing on everyone. We're looking for reasons to hate Judge Amy. So to be clear, uh, Barrett, for her part, did not claim there should be a rule applied to this. Like, Yeah, I know. We, we, we just heard that, sweetheart. We just heard that, darling. <laughs> look at the guy in the top right. <laughs> Have a look at him. <laughs> He's like, ah, oh, shit. <laughs> this is supposed to be a hit piece. We're supposed to be attacking this woman. Not finding reasons why she's perfect. Did, but Ed, how should we expect comments like this to come back around if she is in fact the nominee? Uh, <laughs> how do we expect comments like this to come back around if she is the nominee? What? The comment that at any time, it's constitutionally correct for the president and the Senate to, you know, nominate a Supreme Court justice and then vote on that nomination. You mean that comment? How do we expect this to come around? You mean the fact that she's being consistent? Oh, my God. How awful. 
<laughs> you know, this could come around on her. Well, first of all, I know that... See, look, he's being led into this question, right? He's being led into a specific answer that they want him to give. They want him to say how awful she is. Have a listen to this. He does his best, but he can't falter. We're working on putting that entire interview, or at least that the entire Please. answer and the broader context of it, on our website as we speak. Because we We're working on putting that whole interview on our website. This is a multi-million dollar operation here. This is CBS News. Oh, we're working on getting that clip on our website. Who the fuck is running your website? <laughs> what do you mean working on it? When can we expect this? What, are you too fucking busy? Christ. I only discovered this just a little while ago, and so I would encourage people to, to find that on our website later today and, and to watch it in full. What Thank you for coming. Thank you for coming. I see you I'll now. thing was essentially a very neutral analysis of the time which was that, look, uh, <laughs> previous appointments have come uh, around election times where, you know, a conservative is replacing a conservative. In 2016, of course, Scalia died and Barack Obama was a Democrat and he wasn't going to appoint somebody like Scalia and there was a chance for a wholesale shift in the ideological balance of the court, as there is right now, to at least expand the conservative majority. And, um, you know, she's just saying, look, uh, there's no written rules on what goes on here. Oh, no. Well, <clears throat> this is most definitely not what we wanted. I mean, I was sitting here genuinely hoping for, you know, gang rape at least, uh, maybe drunken disorderly, maybe at least a whole bunch of students who hate her guts and say what an awful person she is. Hopefully some kind of accusation of racism, if that's not going too far. We didn't get any of that. Instead, we've got a what appears to be an extremely qualified, down-to-earth, open, loving, caring, generous woman whose students love, <laughs> who believes that it's important to stand up for what you believe in, and who is on the record as of four years ago as saying that neither side in politics has a right to make rules about the confirmation process. That when, you know, when somebody's nominated, they get talked about. That's It's that simple. There's no timeline or anything like that. So, exactly, Foggy. The horror. <laughs> so, it's going to be very difficult, I think, <clears throat> for people to find a reason to make her into the next Brett Kavanaugh, which means she probably won't get selected. Because we're not going to get the ratings if, if we do. So, unfortunately for us, it seems like Brett Kavanaugh was at least a once-off. And we're not going to get the same kind of circus performances that we got Back in, when was it, 2018, 2019? Which is so, so very, very, very disappointing to somebody like me. But with that, we're going to take a quick five-minute break here on the Wednesday night edition of the Daily Boogie podcast. When we come back, I've got some absolutely crazy shit to go over with you from the UK. Uh, plus the latest and greatest in COVID technology, ladies and gentlemen. All that and more coming up after the break here on the Wednesday night edition of the Daily Boogie podcast. Stick around. Do you like your novelty comedy songs organic? 
Handmade with painstaking care, put into every note. Well, look no further than Irrational Times. Using only the finest instruments to create an experience that your ears will thank you for later. Irrational Times attempts to elevate the whimsy to a desirable level. New songs and sketches every week, so check it out. Idiot Boogie Bump. Idiot Boogie Bump. Idiot Boogie Really giving that one a workout. Come on. DLive.tv slash JJ Stone. And we love JJ here on the show. The world is a terrible place, full of terrible people doing terrible things. Thankfully, there's a weekly live stream that doesn't sugarcoat it for you. Join Major Tom Saturdays at 10 p.m. for the Big Empty. That's Major underscore Tom on DLive. Make sure to use zeros for O's because your life really is that hard. Patriots, this is your favorite Southerner, Doc Martin. Just wanted to remind you to put on your calendars to join me and your favorite near-to-wheel Yankee, Bill D'Angelo, on Saturday nights, beginning with the Promises Kept at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, followed by the Speakeasy with all of your favorite Patriots. You never know what we might cuss and discuss. That's right, Doc Martin. This is everybody's favorite Yankee, Phil D'Angelo speaking. And on Saturday night, we could have Kimmy, wise censor, defectionately known as Electrolux, the original grandma, UK Neil, Rusty, and his famous sound test show, Coffee Talk with Sandra, Earth Citizen, Stefan, the infamous Grandma Sears, Mac Daddy may even make a show up, or virtually anyone else in the world for some irrelevant fun. Yankee, you mean some irreverent fun. So be sure to join us on Twitch, Periscope, DLive, or YouTube. That's right, Doc. Follow us at Winning TV on all of those channels. So be sure and put it on your calendar. We'll be looking for you. We'll leave the porch light on. I still think it's irrelevant fun. But why are you fumbling for coins when you'll have a heavy bag? <laughs> There's a place that we can go to watch old things. All the warm, fuzzy member berries it brings. It's a special little spot tucked away on D-Live. Enjoy the joy of Pessie. Can't be old movies and old cartoons. We hope to see you over there very soon. It's our special little spot tucked away on D-Live. Enjoy the joy of Pessie. Justin, the global officials that can help all, also known as Got You, have now banned all boogieing and boogie-related movements worldwide. Public safety is the main concern, they say, and people are reminded that boogieing is contagious. 
anyone caught boogieing will be dealt with in the harshest terms police have reported. More Some idle time. This world can get you down. There's just one thing you can do. You gotta get back up and shake it all around. No one's gonna tell me how I'm gonna boogie. Come on, everybody boogie bumper tonight. No one's gonna tell me how I'm gonna boogie. Come on, everybody boogie bumper tonight. No one's gonna tell me how to boogie. Come on, everybody boogie bumper tonight. Uh, coming back. Second half of the show. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. And I've just been informed in the chat. I had no idea. I've just been informed in the chat that apparently today is Irrational Times' birthday. Happy birthday, Irrational Times, hey? How about that? The guy who provides the soundtrack to so many of our streams over here in this little universe. The absolutely talented, wonderful, great guy, Irrational Times. So, of course, now, because we know it's Irrational Times' birthday, as is customary, as is tradition on this program, we're going to give Irrational Times a very traditional Canadian happy birthday tune, ladies and gentlemen. Rational Times, happy birthday from the traditional, like I said, very traditional, old school, family, happy birthday, version of happy birthday, direct from Canada. Happy birthday, Rational Times. Happy birthday to you. Irrational times. Happy birthday to you. Very traditional Canadian birthday song. Cue the backup singers. As Canadian as maple syrup. As Canadian as lumberjackery. Happy birthday, Rational Times. From your friends in Canada. Shout out to Irrational Times, the keyboard solo. As Canadian as hockey hair. Yes, they're money. They're little Canadian flags. See the red and white? I mean, it's all Canadian, brother. Happy birthday to you. Uh-huh. Happy birthday to you. Uh-huh. 
irrational times. Happy birthday, Irrational Ties, ladies and gentlemen. With the traditional Canadian birthday song. Um, I was going to talk about the UK. Let's go to this instead. It's all happening in Louisville, apparently. People in the chat are saying that apparently offers are, de- offers are down in Louisville. I don't know. I had a quick look during the break. I couldn't find anything substantial. I found something that Ian Miles Chong tweeted, like a 20-second video. That's not going to cut it. Um... <laughs> That was the only thing I could find. I'm like, well, if he's tweeting it, I'll take a second opinion. Thank you very much. Um, I tweeted this out earlier today. So never mind Ian Miles Chung. Look at what I tweeted. <laughs> Obviously expecting an adoring crowd to hear the good news. Ahead of an expected news conference on the Breonna Taylor case, Louisville's mayor announced a curfew beginning at 9pm. It has absolutely nothing to do uh, with the court ruling that's going to be handed down later today. We're putting a 9pm curfew in for completely unrelated reasons. It's got nothing. We know, It's not like we're expecting some kind of riot or something. It's not like we're expecting some kind of violence or some kind of protest. It's really just a completely disconnected issue that we're having a curfew at 9pm tonight. So uh, from Reuters, tempers flare in Louisville after a grand jury indicted only one of three officers who fired gunshots into the apartment of Breonna Taylor. Do you know what I've noticed about this? And you know me, like I'm not a back the blue guy at all, but <clears throat> I do try to take each case as it comes. You know, I'm not somebody that's going to be completely anti-police. I'm not anti-police. I'm not back the blue, but I'm not anti-police either. Uh, you know, on each individual occurrence, I'll have an opinion on whether, you know, it was a good thing or a bad thing or if whether the cops did good or whether the cops did bad. I think, you know, completely backing anybody or anything 100% of the time just because, like, regardless of any other information you have is wrong. So I try to avoid doing that. Um, But what I've noticed with the reporting of this is, (laughs) and like we said on this show, you know, I think it was, what, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, I said, you watch. Now, this is going to happen now, like, the you know, the rioting and the outrage and the mob-like behavior is going to happen now every single time. And it's not even, it, I'm not even saying in this particular case that, you know, it's justified or not or anything like that. What I'm saying is, regardless of whether or not the cops act appropriately or not, okay, like, try to try to get what I'm saying here, regardless of the particulars of any individual case, any time now that there's a shooting, there will be a riot. That's that's the corner that everyone's being painted into now. So even if, you know, there's a, a case where a cop shoots somebody even in self-defense, the guy might have shot the cop five times in the back or in the guts. And, you know, as his last action just before he passes out, he puts a bullet in the guy just before the guy can shoot him in the head there will still be a riot. You know what I mean? There will still be a protest. They'll still say that it was police brutality because now facts don't matter anymore. Details do not matter anymore. It's just the outcome that people are focused on. And to make matters worse, the corporate press is playing into this because what I've noticed here is Sure, all of these news outlets like Reuters and NBC and CNN, they're all talking about how one cop out of the three was indicted for this particular offence. Not one of them is actually telling you why. Right? 
not one of them is actually going beyond that step to explain the ruling because rulings are never just handed out without an explanation. There's always an explanation. There's always reasoning that goes into it. The reasoning might be flawed. The reasoning might be wrong, but they're not even giving you the courtesy of telling you what the reasoning is. They're just saying one person was indicted only and that's it. Okay, now go burn it all down. Now go burn the city down. Bye. Goodbye. Okay, here's a lighter. Here's a here's a can of petrol. Now off you go. Um, shouldn't we know some of the details first? Like why the court handed down this ruling? Like, should we know why they came to this particular judgment? No, 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 no. All you need to know is one person was indicted and that's it. Now here's a lighter. Here's some, you know, lighter fluid. Here's a Molotov cocktail. Go nuts. This is, the, this is essentially the effect that I'm seeing, in my opinion, of the corporate press right now. Removing all context, all nuance, all detail out of it and just saying, hey, look, here's why you should be upset. Here's why you should hit the streets. And in fact, amplifying it by having guys like uh, fucking Al Sharpton on saying this is unacceptable. Don Lemon was on uh, not that long ago saying it's time to burn the whole fucking system down on CNN. So don't come at me and say that certain people are like stoking violence or a stoking division. It's you. It's always been you. Don't talk to me about, you know, the responsibility that journalists have. None of them give a fuck. It's all about applying the least amount of effort possible. Let's have a look. Look, I mean, look at the subheading here. Tears of rage after Breonna Taylor grand jury decision. That's the way it's reported. Tears of rage. This is Reuters. This isn't like a blog or anything. This is an international media corporation. Tears of rage. If you're listening to the podcast, you can't see, but there's a chubby white dude walking down the street with a sign that says, who will police murder next? Well, not you, fatty. Sorry. <laughs> Just had to. Fuck are you doing there, mate? Surrounding the cop cars. <coughs> Filming herself screaming abuse through the window of the cop car. This is this is going to happen every time now. Uh, now somebody got this. Breaking nine one one tweeted this out. A U-Haul van just happened to pull up at the scene. Just happened to show up right when the uh, tears of rage started flowing, and start a U-Haul filled with protest signs. What are the odds, huh? 
What are the odds of that happening? I'm sure it's a coincidence. Look at this. Look at this. <laughs> they just happen to be there. This is an org- Yes, exactly, Premier. This is an organic uprising of concerned citizens. No, actually, what you'll see is uh, the U-Haul was driving... Uh, these are uh, actually items for an art gallery. Yeah, yeah, there's an art gallery. It's called uh, Resistance Art Fest 2020, and it's happening just down the road. And what happened was the U-Haul driver pulled over uh, to grab himself a burrito. <laughs> and while he was grabbing himself a burrito, uh, some of the citizens were like, hey, there's a U-Haul truck. I wonder what he has inside. And the U-Haul, because everybody was getting on so swimmingly, the U-Haul driver jumped out with his burrito and said, I'm actually transporting works of art to the local art gallery for Resist Fest 2020. And the people who were there said, hey, you shouldn't have to carry all those works of art inside the gallery on your own. Maybe we can help you. So that's what's happening. The concerned citizens of Louisville are actually just helping a delivery driver deliver works of art to a, an art gallery in preparation for their latest display, Resist Art 2020. That's, that's what's happening here. What looks like, you know, an organised, preempted, riotous kind of uprising, funded, uh, controlled with generals organizing what what it looks like that but it's actually just you know helpful citizens supporting local delivery drivers deliver works of art to an art gallery that's all that's happening here so i don't want to hear any misinformation i don't want to hear any right-wing conspiracy theories out of you Completely organic. Out come, out come the drums. We've got to get a drum circle in there. Yep, so it's all very organic. Uh, I don't know who this guy is, but he puts his pronoun in his name, so that's an indication. LMPD got orders from City of Louisville to put fencing on streets surrounding Injustice Square. Yeah, I guess instead of Justice Square. Very clever. In advance of the Breonna Taylor verdict this week, LMPD is part of the whole damn system who's painting protesters as evil. That's so guilty as hell. And here's the here's the footage that he put up. Honestly, a lot of people just actually talk. I have a good conversation with most people. So obviously an anti, you know, an anti a kind of defund the police kind of guy. We talk about who tweeted this out. There's officers like those. Yeah, I can't speak Saying the officers are guilty as hell. And this footage you see here. Uh, Louisville buildings are already being targeted by vandals across the city, but no, uh, no, 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 no. You know, there's a system in place here which is painting the protesters as evil, and that's so guilty as hell. Kicking in shop windows. Here we go. Here we go. Here's the good stuff. Oh, there's an antique store there. Oh, dear. That won't last long. Stop recording us and join us. Oh, 
yes, we wouldn't want people recording the peaceful protesters kicking in the shop windows, would we? <laughs> so apparently it's all happening in Louisville right now. It'll probably kick off much more later tonight, I suspect. I suspect. Uh, this is a nice segue into our next item here, which was sent through by Jim N-Word. Thank you for sending this, Jim. Teens in gorilla costumes steal BLM sign from St. Louis Park home. <clears throat> what do they mean by this? <laughs> a St. Louis Park family is speaking out after a group of teens, some in gorilla costumes, stole their Black Lives Matter sign and walked up to their front door, appearing to act like monkeys. <laughs> dangerous, 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 dangerous racism. Of course, the kicking in the shop windows, the rioting, the burning the cities to the ground. This is an expected result of an in unjust system. Taking a sign from somebody's front lawn whilst dressed as a gorilla, that needs to stop. Bridget and Sam Guinness say they are disturbed by the incident, which occurred Sunday night while the family was home. Let's have a look. Park family says they don't know if it's a prank or something worse, but it was enough uh -huh. to upset them. Oh, it was enough to upset them. Well, I would be upset too. A group of teens, some in gorilla costumes, stole their Black Lives Matter sign and then walked up to their front door acting like monkeys. <laughs> Dangerous teenagers in gorilla costumes. You gotta watch out for them. Uncle Joe in the chat, BLM signs matter. Damn right. Thank you for joining us tonight. I'm Kelsey Carlson. And I'm Amy Hawker. Look, look tonight, that family is sharing. Look how serious this is. Look how serious this is. <laughs> while, while the city is burning to the ground behind them, we're dedicating, we're dedicating minutes of primetime media coverage to teens in gorilla costumes. <laughs> it really is just a... This is indeed a disturbing universe. <laughs> their story and video it's of that story. In, in hopes they're telling their story <laughs> oh, what a story a tragic tale sparking an important conversation an important conversation is to be had about teens in gorilla costumes here's Courtney Godfrey it's sparking an important conversation again forgive me if I'm being cynical here but you, I, you can't blame people for being cynical at this point. You know why? <clears throat> because while shop windows are being kicked in, Molotov cocktails are being thrown at police buildings, while cities are burning to the ground, you're being told that this is not an important conversation to have. You're not supposed to talk about that. It's just peaceful protesting. You're only supposed to be on their side. You're only supposed to support it. How dare you say anything else? Stop being a conspiracy theorist. Stop being a racist. Stop being a right-wing Nazi, bro. Support the riots. I mean, support the peaceful protests or else, right? So on one hand, that's the issue. On the other hand, some fucking kids who are probably high as fuck dressed up in gorilla costumes and stole a sign off somebody's lawn and you're being told that this is the important conversation that needs to be had. Hopefully, hopefully the victims can tell their story, sparking an important conversation we need to have. It's fucking ridiculous. You people look like morons. You look foolish. 
It's And it's not Donald Trump's fault that nobody's listening to the media anymore. It's yours because of shit like this. Hi, sorry, I'm a small business owner in the city of Louisville, and I'm worried that rioters are going to, you know, kick out my windows and steal all my shit and ruin my life, and I haven't done anything wrong. <laughs> What are you, some kind of maggotard? What are you, what are you some kind of right-winger, bro? Shit, man. What, are you against the movement? How dare you? Oh, privileged white boy. Worried about his fucking business. Fuck you, man. You're either with us or you're against us. Oh, okay. By the way, did you hear about the kids in gorilla costumes who stole a sign off front, somebody's front lawn? No, I didn't. Why, why are we talking about that? That's not an important thing. This is the most important thing. This is the conversation that needs to be had. How dare you? <laughs> Insanity. I hope that my child would never, would never ever do something like this. As parents of young children, <laughs> the Guinnesses are trying to facilitate conversations about race. They're trying to facilitate conversations about race. Right. Sure they are. Which is part of the reason why they put a Black Lives Matter sign in the front yard uh -huh. of their St. Louis Park home. Uh -huh. We put the sign out because we wanted to start a conversation. We're trying to educate ourselves as white parents trying to raise great and friendly and responsible white kids. They never... So, wait, you put the sign on your front lawn because you're trying to start a conversation. <laughs> but would you would you be willing to have a conversation with teenagers in gorilla suits? By any by any chance? Would that be something you'd be interested in doing? Trying to facilitate a conversation with our kids about race. Imagined it would lead to this. I could see. I mean, you can tell that this is an ultra, 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 ultra white upper middle class neighborhood, can't you? Because this makes the news, first of all. Like, so you can tell that they are so far removed from any kind of reality here in regards to, you know, the riots and the looting and the burning of cities to the ground and stuff. This looks like a very, very quiet, sleepy little fucking town here. Sleepy little suburb. And this apparently, a sign being stolen from the front yard with kids in gorilla costumes is so important in this community that it's like, oh, this sparks an important conversation. It's like, well, there really is literally nothing happening here then, is there? There's nothing going on in this town. <laughs> you know, we put the sign out the front because we want to start an important conversation about race. They probably moved there from California. Right. They've probably moved to this place from California and they're disgusted that nobody cares as much about Black Lives Matter as they do. <laughs> so they want they want everybody to know that we're, we're the anti-race. We're on your side, people. They want the whole town to know. Three look like teenage kids in yeah. full ape costumes. One was holding up a Black Lives Matter sign. They were all making ape noises and kids were mimicking um, ape move movements and pounding on the front. They were mimicking ape movements. Oh, fuck. Somebody call the riot squad. 
you know, if you were a pro Second Amendment family, you could have just shot them. Wouldn't that have been convenient? Unfortunately, no. You don't have that option. Surveillance video shows five teenagers, three in gorilla costumes, approach the home just before nine Sunday night. Grabbing the sign at the end of the driveway, they take it to the front steps and appear to act like monkeys, running off once the homeowner comes to doing a little slam dunk on the basketball the door seconds later. Worst case scenario, it was a blatantly racist act. It's a blatantly racist act. Oh, really? I know, I know this is an easy thing to do, but bro, you're the one that's associating the monkeys with racism. You're the ones that are saying that the gorilla is race. You're doing that. Well, this is blatantly racist. <laughs> oh, is it? Blatantly. Right. Obvi obviously racist. Uh, best case scenario, they are just so sheltered from the world that they don't understand. And I think they're... Oh, you fucking... Arro oh, the arrogance of these people. See, I think a lot of a lot of people could tolerate this stuff if it, were, if it weren't for the arrogance, right? If it weren't for the condescension. I mean, fuck me, man. Your wife just stood there 30 seconds ago and said, we're trying to educate ourselves about this. You know, we're trying to educate our kids about race. And the guy's like, well, they're obviously ignorant people who are very sheltered. Like, no, 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 you're, you're the ignorant, sheltered one. Look at where you fucking live, man. There is, there, is not a, there is not a snowflake's chance in hell of a Black Lives Matter riot erupting in your town. Well, they're obviously very sheltered. Again, it's the arrogance. This guy thinks because he puts a fucking sign on his lawn, all of a sudden he knows, you know, how to fix racism. He knows how to educate people. He can lecture to everybody else now about what racism is. And this is the height of this shit, like this white saviour mentality. And I've got news for you, bro. They're not on your side. They don't like you. Brother, brother, the people, the people you are putting signs up for in your front yard, they don't like it. They don't like you. You, with your upper middle class protected little community here of white people, you're the kind of person that they don't like. I don't know how to tell you this. They want your shit, bro. They want to take your stuff. <laughs> They're Marxists. <laughs> oh, they're very yeah, exactly. A yard sign fixes everything, right? So I put a I put a sign on my front lawn. Now I can lecture everyone about race. Even the people the people who he is supporting fucking don't like him. They don't want anything to do with him. But he's the smart one. There's a problem with both scenarios. The right. neighborhood where they live near Browndale Park is peppered with Black Lives oh, Matter really? signs. And theirs was the only one reported stolen last night. Oh. But the Guinnesses say whatever this was, it has to be addressed. The conversation has to continue. This isn't okay for kids to think this is a prank. It's not okay for kids to think that this is a prank. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen.
Stealing signs in St. Louis. Uh, I'll tell you what, let's stick with racism, shall we? So much damn fun. Ladies and gentlemen, Ilan Omar. The president last night reverting to a tried and true campaign theme, stoking the racial divide ah. that he thinks will help him in the closing weeks of the 2020 election. The president deploying a racist attack against Congresswoman... See, look at the subtext to this, right? Just before we even get too far, 10 seconds in, have another listen to this. The president last night reverting to a tried and true campaign theme, right. stoking the racial divide that he thinks will help him in the closing weeks of the 2020 election. <laughs> that is just so layered. Okay, so he's going to a, a tried and true campaign strategy, right? Stoking the racial divide. So the subtext to that is all of you must be, if you're a supporter of his, you must be racist. See, when they come up, they're very clever at this stuff. They know what they're doing. They know how to frame things. And so this is how they're able to speak with a forked tongue and say things like, we're not saying that all Donald Trump supporters are racist. What we are saying is that Donald Trump says racist things to get support from his voters, <laughs> right? So they imply, <clears throat> they explicitly imply that you are racist, but they don't say that you're racist. They just get around it. <laughs> We're not saying that every Donald Trump voter is a racist prick, but we what we are saying is a tried and true strategy of Donald Trump is to stoke the racial divide in order to win an election. See, see how this works? So they are very good at this kind of thing. And that's how they can say, we don't accuse uh, Donald Trump supporters of being racist. We just say that Donald Trump is a racist who says racist things to get support from his supporters. <laughs> it's very disingenuous. Just say it. Just come out and say that you think they're all racist. Just say it. Because you're saying it anyway without saying it, if that makes sense. The president deploying a racist attack okay. against Congresswoman Ilhan really? Omar. Let's hear this racist attack. How about Omar of Minnesota? Omar. <laughs> We're going to win the state of Minnesota because of her, they say. She's telling us how to run our country. How did you do where you came from? How is your country doing? They're going to tell. She's going to tell us. She's telling us how to run our country. That's it. Okay, let's have a look. And Congresswoman Omar is with us now. Congresswoman, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. T tell us your reaction to what you heard the president say. I mean, the, the president clearly loves to prey on people's fears. He's preying on people's fears. Thank you for the diamond. I have to reload this. Uh, he's preying on people's th fears. Here's the thing, though. I don't think anyone is afraid of Ilan Omar. I think they just don't like her. You know what I mean? I, uh, press one in the chat if you're afraid of Ilan Omar. Press two in the chat if you just think she's a cunt. <laughs> uh, yeah, open, open quest, open poll. One in the chat if you're terrified, if you're fearful of Ilan Omar. Press two in the chat if you just think she's a cunt. NK Veritas with the diamond. Some people mischaracterized something. Very good. Well done. Well done. I want to know who's afraid of her. 
Because if he's saying things about Ilan Omar and she thinks it's because he's stoking fear, then that must mean that people are afraid of you, Ilan, because of Donald Trump. I'm looking in the chat here, wall-to-wall twos. So at least in this very small sample size, in this very small audience, nobody appears to be afraid of you, Ilan, but most people do think that you're a cunt. (laughs) I, I hope that helps. I hope that's better. See, there's no need now to worry about, you know, people stoking fear. You know, it's great. It's good news. People just think you're a cunt. You should be happy. He spreads the disease of hate. The disease of hate. Yes. (laughs) Spreading the disease of hate. Everywhere he goes. Everywhere. And these cult rallies that he's holding. Cult rallies, disease of hate preying on fear. Incidentally, coming up after six o'clock, why Donald Trump's rhetoric is dangerous. (laughs) These people will complain about rhetoric and then say he's preying on fear, spreading the disease of hate wherever he goes to his cult audience. Buzzword fucking city up in this bitch across the country um, are now being fueled uh, by fear. Fueled by fear. It's empty words. She's saying words, but they don't actually mean anything. (laughs) Jim Edward in the chat. I'm not a racist. I have a disease. (laughs) I think we just found a loophole. And it is no surprise Uh that he is so fearful of winning Minnesota that he has to resort to this hate because what he knows. Uh, Well, if if he's so fearful about winning Minnesota that he has to resort to hate, does that mean that the majority of people in your state are also racist, Ilan? Is that what you're trying to say? Because otherwise it wouldn't work, would it? See my point here? Do you see my point? So in this in this way that they try to own people and say, oh, they're spreading fear and they're spreading hate by, you know, because he's fearful of losing Minnesota, which is why he's spreading this hate. And then it's like, oh, okay, then that must mean that most people are racist, where the most people that you represent are racist. Is that true? Um, um <laughs> she's essentially calling her constituents racist, right? By saying that this works, that uh, saying racist things works to win elections. Oh, okay. So most people then must be racist, which is why they're voting for the guy. Well, I didn't say that. <laughs> you kind of did, though. In this effort to own you, they own themselves. Is that the Democratic power in Minnesota runs through turnout in the 5th Congressional right, District. Right. And we are going to make sure not only does he not win Minnesota, but that he doesn't get back to the White House. You heard the cheers, right? He said that in the crowd oh, cheered God. him. And I know that you uh, were recently asked about violent imagery used uh, of you and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, the congresswoman. Violent imagery? And you were asked if any Republicans had reached out to you even privately to say this is not okay. And you, you said that hadn't happened. I wonder as you see many people. Is you? Don't try and talk straight, sweetheart. Essentially support or support through silence this kind of rhetoric. Support through silence, one of my favorites. 
one of my favourites. Because we've been over this, right? You know, you've started to see now this idea start to creep out that it's not good enough just to not be a racist anymore, right? You actually have to be a vocal supporter of, you know, movements like Black Lives Matter. Otherwise, you may as well be racist. How many times have we heard that? And so now, listen listen to the shit that they come up with. These little rhetorical traps. Support through silence. Oh, hang on. Do you mean if I don't go publicly... Do you mean if I, as an elected official, don't go on television and publicly denounce everything as though I'm the cause of it, then I may as well be doing it myself, like I'm part of it? Is that what you're saying? Yes, that's what we're saying. You have to actively be, uh, you know, openly against stuff now. It's not good enough to just not be the thing that they're angry about, you see. Why you think that is? Why do they do that? Why, why do they do that? See, not doing anything is now doing something. I mean, it shows really uh, the the ways in which uh, our country has descended into um, a place where you are being attacked for being an immigrant, you're being attacked oh. for um, being Muslim, and you're being attacked even for being a woman. I just can't do it anymore. Tell you what. I want to end on a high note. I want to give you like a nice end to the story here. A nice end to the show. Some hope for the future, perhaps. How about this article? Maybe this maybe this will fix everything. We're raising our daughter gender neutral, but she only wants pink dresses. Where did we mess up? This comes from one of the greatest gold mines you'll ever find on the internet, Slate, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Wait till you hear this. This is fantastic. I love this. Dear Care and Feeding, my husband and I have a frequent disagreement on our, get this, three-year-old. You know, because Ilan Omar was just talking about how the country has descended into something else, how it's not, it's not the America that everybody once knew, Okay. So have a listen to this. My husband and I, how did we get here? How did this happen? It's obviously Donald Trump's fault. My husband and I have a frequent disagreement on our three-year-old and her love for dresses and all things pink. For the first two years of her life, she was constantly mistaken for a boy because she wore gender-neutral clothes. We can break this down sentence to sentence if you want. The detachment, the arrogance here, ladies and gentlemen. Listen to this. She was constantly mistaken for a boy because she wore gender-neutral clothes. No, no, she didn't wear gender-neutral clothes. You dressed her in gender-neutral clothes. She didn't choose her own clothes when she was one, did she? You know, she wasn't walking around the fucking, uh, you know, the retail outlets shopping for, for Sunday clothes when she was two years old. Oh, she was mistaken for a boy because she wore gender neutral. No, no, no. You dressed her in gender neutral clothes. See, this is on you, right? But see, even the way these people, they think in spin, she's they are writing themselves out of responsibility with each sentence. She wore gender neutral clothes. We didn't choose them. You chose them for her. You wore, you dressed her in them. 
But even in that little slight little way, that's like a self-manipulation tactic. Listen to this. We direct her towards books and other media that do not represent gender neutral, uh, traditional gender roles. We direct her towards books and other media? What does that mean? That means you give her books to read, which is like all of the gender neutrality shit, which is gender is fluid, right? We direct her. What is she, a driver on a freeway, you know, during an accident? What do you mean you direct her? You mean you give her stuff to read? The self-manipulation, ladies and gentlemen. And look, they even put in the brackets, no sparkle princesses. So they don't let her read books with princesses in them. She's a a three-year-old. They don't give her cartoons. They don't let her watch cartoons that has, like, sparkly princesses. Even though the kid wants to be a princess. Like, they're openly saying here, she only wants to wear pink dresses. She wants to be a princess. We screwed up. Even though we don't let her do it. severe severe mental illness here. We ask friends and family to refrain from commenting on her appearance and clothing. Listen to the lengths they're going to. We ask, imagine, imagine this. My best mate has a daughter that I am godfather to, right? I absolutely adore this kid. And she loves me. She talks about, you know, Uncle Boogie all the time. She draws me little pictures and stuff I have hanging in the studio here. I love this kid. I I would be aghast if I was to go to my friend's house and say, and you know, just say I go and see this girl. And I'm like, oh, don't you look amazing? You know, wow, you look so pretty today, right? Like any normal, well-adjusted person would do. When a little kid, like, you know, especially little girls like to dress up, and put on the sparkly dresses and shit and look like little princesses or whatever. You know, it's nice to recognize the effort they put in. They like that. Even as five-year-olds, women like that. (laughs) So, you know, wow, that's a pretty dress. That's a beautiful dress. You look like a little princess. Oh, thank you. Imagine having that conversation and then the parent pulling you aside. Like imagine like a family barbecue or something. The parent pulling you aside and saying some shit like, um, actually... We don't want you to talk about her appearance because we're actually trying to raise her gender neutral. <laughs> I think I might say to my wife, get your shit, we're leaving. <laughs> get, we're leaving. I don't want any part of this. What What ridiculous. What ridiculousness. These people are insane. We ask friends and family to refrain from commenting on her appearance and clothing if they can help it and instead to focus on skills or interests. Again, we're talking about a three-year-old. However, our daughter adores the color pink, insists on wearing dresses, and is currently obsessed with accessories. I am fine with this, though I hope it will be a phase. So... Even though they have tried to dress her up like a little tomboy in gender-neutral clothes, even though they ban her from watching cartoons about princesses, even though they tell their friends and family don't talk about what she's wearing, she still wants to wear pink. She still wants to look like a princess. I would think that most rational, sane people at this point 
would then say, well, maybe this whole gender neutrality thing isn't what it's cracked up to be. I mean, we've been raising her gender neutral and she's still doing little girl things. Maybe we've got this wrong. No, 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 no. Not to the mind of like an extreme, <clears throat> an extreme, you know, sort of gender enthusiast. To them, they need to double down. They're not doing it hard enough. <laughs> After a few battles about wearing her pink dress when it was dirty, my daughter and I did some online shopping together and she chose a few more dresses to order. All of them were pink, obviously. My husband is unhappy that I encouraged her obsession, she's three, by purchasing the dresses and letting her wear some of my old jewellery. Husband is angry that the daughter is wearing some old jewellery and a pink dress. He hates it. <laughs> Fucking unbelievable. He gets annoyed when the dresses get tangled while climbing a rock or running and says that dresses and accessories aren't suitable for doing most things. I appreciate his commitment to raising our daughter without gender stereotypes, but well, it seems like he's being the overbearing father, which is definitely a gender stereotype. <laughs> Why don't you cut your penis off, bro? Stop being such a gender stereotype, man. Time to castrate. Show that kid that it's okay not to have a penis. Come on, step up. Don't want to be like the bossy dad. That's very gender stereotypical. <clears throat> uh, I feel like if we push back too hard on her love for dresses and jewellery, it will backfire and she will only become more obsessed. Help. Again, talking about a three-year-old daughter. Sick. <clears throat> Listen to the response. It often seems to be the case that eschewing traditional gender norms involves identifying things that are coded as girly or feminine as bad. The argument against sparkle princesses is typically that they teach girls to aspire to an unrealistic standard of beauty or promote the idea that they should be looking for Prince Charming to come and save them. Ladies and gentlemen, these people are sick in the head. <clears throat> That's right. You heard correctly. We don't want we don't want little girls dressing up like princesses and pretend and playing as princesses because apparently this will lead them like into the waiting arms of the patriarchy, thinking that Prince Charming is going to save them. What the hell is wrong with you, people? Honest question. What the fuck is wrong with you? It's like I used to think it was wrong. Like when I was a bit more of a younger atheist kind of a guy, um, you know, I used to think it was wrong to tell kids that there was Santa Claus because it was like, why lie to the kids, right? You know what I mean? That that was my opinion when I was much younger, like in my early 20s and stuff. But now I actually think the opposite. Now I have the opinion that kids only have a very, very short space of time where things like where life is like magical and they can be princesses and stuff or they can be astronauts. You know, and they can make believe and play pretend. Why would you want to rob them of that? Why would you want to rob them so they can just become a miser a clone of your miserable, joyless self? They've got the whole rest of their life to become joyless and miserable. Don't ruin their fucking childhood for it. Because you don't want it. Because it's about you. It's not about them at that point. It's about you. Yeah, you know, I had my come to Jesus moment on that. 
and I don't, I can't even remember where it was or whatever. But I just thought, man, you know, we're robbing these kids of all this magic and stuff. So I, I you know, I don't want to be a part of that. Pink puffy dresses should not be the only option available to girls, and nobody said that they are. Nor should they be for girls exclusively. However, that doesn't mean that something is inherently wrong with the garments themselves. I'm fucking amazed. Well done. Well done. Furthermore, I think you're missing... Oh, wait, I gave them too much credit too soon. Furthermore, I think you're missing the blatant sexism in dresses and accessories aren't suitable for most things. If you don't know why I'm laughing yet, take, take a minute to understand what's happening here. <laughs> so, understand what's happening here. <laughs> the person writing the letter, they're, si- they're trying so hard to not be sexist. They get accused of being sexist in the fucking... <laughs> so the dad is committed to raising the daughter gender neutral, right? And his argu- one of his arguments for gender neutrality is dresses and, uh, you know, jewellery are not suitable for most activities. This then leads to him being accused of being a sexist. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> they, they have no idea what their opinion is. So wait... <laughs> Wearing dresses and jewellery and makeup is a gender stereotype, but it's wrong to say it's a gender stereotype because that would be sexist. Uh, (laughs) Wow. Wow. I never get bored of this shit. (laughs) It, It seems to be that the goal for shielding a child from gendered clothing and activities would be allow them to define their identity without having it assigned to them by their parents and society at large. But the gender-neutral clothing you have selected has led to your daughter being misgendered for a reason, and that's because we consider neutral in terms of gender often defaults to a masculine norm. (laughs) This is mind-numbing. Boys' clothes are for everyone. Girls' clothes are for girls. Additionally, there are many games and activities that can be played in dresses and even heels. (laughs) Fuck. (laughs) Exactly, Marcus Flebrate. Self-defeating arguments. They don't even know what they're angry about. Wow. Holy shit. But again, like, this is the scary part to me. We're talking about a three-year-old. A three-year-old. Sorry, you you want your you want your three-year-old to choose her own gender for yourself? No, no, no I'm sorry, because it seems these people are obsessed with outsourcing responsibility. Right? They even outsource the responsibility for the clothes that the kid is wearing. So they're obsessed with outsourcing responsibility. Oh, we want our child to choose her own gender. No, no, no. Your job as a parent is to fucking guide and nurture and educate. You're supposed to mold your children. That's your fucking job. 
they're not like little free spirits that you just accommodate. Not guiding and not providing, you know, some kind of answers and helping, you know, arm them with some kind of reality in the world in, on some level as basic as, you know, I'm a little girl or I'm a little boy, you are doing that child a tremendous disservice. You know, if the kid asks, am I a girl or a boy? And you say, that's up to you, you've failed. That's called failing as a parent. It's not bigotry. There's a point where you can go so woke that you go all the way back around to the start and become completely unintelligibly dumb and ignorant. If you don't even know what gender your child is, you're not intelligent. You're not woke. You have reverted back to primitive, you know, reptile brain. You know, the androgynous reptiles that don't have a gender, that's where you are now. You are a you are a fat lizard basking on a rock. You know, near the near the soup of the primordial ooze. Before dinosaurs roamed the earth. That's how far back you're going on the evolutionary scale. Laying there, basking on a rock with two sets of genitals, eating eating bugs that come flying out of a hot soupy mess. We're raising our daughter gender neutral, but she only wants to wear pink dresses. Oh, the horror. The absolute horror. With that, ladies and gentlemen, that brings us to the end of tonight's show. Thank you so much for joining us on this Wednesday night edition of the Daily Boogie podcast. I'll be back probably 8 p.m. on Friday. Until then, don't forget to follow our friends. Irrational Times, Coffee Talk with Sandra, everybody's favourite lover of French women, Mersh, the great JJ Stoner, Joy of Pessy, Frozen Asian, Sunday Night Shit Show, ladies and gentlemen, Winning TV, who I think will be on tomorrow night, Why Censored, of course, uh, every, uh, Lois Ropez, uh, Way Dave, the ROTC guys, of course, uh, At Real Person, PLTCS, Iceman4433, Char Money, ladies and gentlemen, and anyone else I might have forgotten. Uh, ben K Veritas has been doing some... Uh, Periscopes recently, so check out Ben K Veritas. Have a chat. He does little call-ins. Our boy, old school OG listener, Ben K Veritas, been around since the beginning. So check him out. Uh, and so that's it until Friday night. So thank you to everyone who contributed tonight. If you'd like to become a full-time supporter of the show, then please, by all means, head to patreon.com slash boogiebumper. Become a subscriber by hitting that subscribe button on your preferred podcast player. And of course, if you would like to raise me gender neutral, then you can do so by following me on Twitter at Boogie Bumper. Until Friday night, ladies and gentlemen, stay calm, stay rational. God bless, and we'll see you soon. Bye-bye.